morning. All right. Good morning. Um, we're going to have a real family time this morning. It is with a very heavy heart that I welcome you all this morning here to Gateway. Um, for those of you who are visiting with us for the first time, or if you've been visiting with us for the past few weeks, um, we had one of the most tragic situations happen in the history of our church. This past week, um, we're just going to be real this morning. It's going to be raw, but this is what the body of Christ is all about. And so uh, this past week, um, our dear brother and friend Jason Gross passed away suddenly and unexpectedly this past Wednesday due to heart complications. Um, his wife, Erin, who is on our staff and has been our administrative assistant for eight years, um, they have two teenage boys, Jackson and Jameson, and a nine-year-old daughter uh, named Gigi. And just to show you the power of the gospel and what the Holy Spirit can do to bring in peace and comfort and strength, Jackson is actually here today. So, bud, we love you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. And only we know by God's grace are you even able to be in this room. And, guys, this is what it's all about. We're bringing it up this way because this is not a typical Sunday. It can't be for us to gather like this. And many of you in this room, I know God has blessed us with so many precious new families in this church. And many of you do not know Jason and Aaron very well. Some of you may have gotten to know them over just the past few months or a year. But they've been a part of this body for 17 years. And they've been more like a brother and sister to us than just church members. So there's a portion in this room that are crushed today that are broken and hurting and pain. And today's gonna to be a beginning for healing for all of us. It's the first time that most of us have all been together in this capacity. And so for those of you in this room that may not know them very well, we need your prayers this morning, right now, as we worship the Lord, as we declare the glory of his name, we ask for you to intercede and to pray for us, for those that are hurting and broken, for those that are going to be shedding tears in a few minutes as we declare the glory of God. Pray for our pastor who lost a dear friend this week and he's going to have to come bring the word. So pray for him and intercede for us. And we don't need to treat today like any other normal time. We need to say, God, we need you to show up in a special way to bring healing. First, for Pat, his in-law mother, his mother-in-law's here, and Doug, his father-in-law, they need prayer as well. So we, in the midst of this pain, and despite our grief, despite our loss, despite all that we're feeling, the frustration, the confusion, the lack of understanding, as our precious Aaron declared Wednesday, an hour after her husband went to see Jesus face to face, 
in her weeping, she declared, God, you are good and you are faithful and you are trustworthy in the midst of her tears. And that's who we're worshiping today, that God who welcomed his son home, the reward of his suffering. And we are going to worship him because he is worthy. Amen, church? He is worthy, regardless of how I feel right now. So we ask for your prayers. We ask that you worship wholeheartedly and just lift up those this morning who are broken so that the process of healing may begin. The service will be this Tuesday here in the sanctuary. There will be visitation at 12 o'clock to 1. And then at 1 o'clock, there will be a celebration of life service here for us to honor and celebrate the life of Jason. And as you pray this morning and celebrate the Lord and just declare his goodness and his praise, obviously pray for Aaron and these kids, and for Doug and Pat and the other extended family as we prepare our hearts. And a final thing today, the leadership felt like this was wise. Greg Teal, one of our elders, and his wife Cecilia will be leading a, a, a prayer time today at 4.30 here in the sanctuary. For anyone that wants to come and just express your heart to the Lord, to experience family, to come together, to be encouraged. Whoever needs to come participate in that, the sanctuary will be open here to be in the presence of the Lord. And lastly, I just want to extend as our, your shepherds, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Gateway. You all have been amazing these past few days. The family has expressed it multiple times. Your prayers, your support, your encouragement, your love the grace and strength that you have shown for Aaron and these kids. It is overwhelming to see Aaron the other day and how she has come in knowing God's grace has been all over this and his strength. And you are a huge part of that. So we thank you. So as we stand to our feet and as we prepare to worship the one who is worthy, just want to read Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Aaron, as you're watching, the Lord will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let us worship the Lord, our helper.
Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. Pay my rents. 
Yeah. 
pray together. <clears throat> Lord, what do, we, what do we cling to in times of loss and suffering? We cling to the truth that we've sung this morning. Jesus, thank you. We cling to your eternal power and majesty and goodness. And so this morning, I just want to read scriptures over us. God, that it would be a cry from our hearts from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress and we just we pray that God that you would show us your nearness that we would cling to that that great strength and that great mercy there together the great hope that this life is not all there is that our brother Jason is with you now and Lord we know that there are many here still now that are feeling the loss and the pain. And we just pray for your nearness, God, your comfort, and for the hope that comes with knowing that you will be exalted in the nations and you will be exalted among the earth, that you are with us, that you are our refuge and strength and our ever-present help in times of trouble. So I want to read from Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope 
that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And Lord, I sense many in this church are feeling that right now. And he searches hearts, knows what is in the he, he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can say nothing to that, Jesus, but thank you. Amen. Well, first to fourth graders, you are dismissed now if you'd like to go to kids' worship. So first to fourth graders, if you'd like to go, you can head to kids' worship. Well, as you can tell, it's... So you can tell it's not a normal Sunday for us, friends. You've already heard from Pastor CJ at the beginning, and then Jeff, one of our elders, was just praying as well. You've already heard several times about the tragic sudden loss of our friend and brother, Jason Gross, this week. And so as you can tell what's on the screen, we're going to pause Genesis today and talk about hope this morning, friends. 
Um, for part of Gateway, you knew Jason really well. 17 years here, you walked with him through many, many things, and your grief is heavy, and you feel it very, very deeply today. There's many questions in your mind. There's many doubts, many emotions. You're probably going through the range of those emotions. For part of Gateway, perhaps you didn't know Jason well, but you knew his kids well. You knew his wife, Erin, well, and your heart's just aching because you're walking alongside them in their grief, and it's already been said, thank you for the way you're loving on the family. Please don't stop on that. But you're walking through the grief of your friend's grief right now. And I recognize, as CJ mentioned earlier, some of you are new. God has sent many people our way to Gateway in recent years. And perhaps you didn't know the family as well. But let me just remind you, church is all about community. Church is about a lot more than just an hour on Sunday morning in this room. And so I hope you understand why I feel the need to pause Genesis this morning and speak to the large portion of our church that is grieving and hurting and struggling this morning, because the truth that they and I need reminding of is the truth that you will need reminding of as well as we walk through the ups and downs, the mountains and the valleys of this life. And I pray, even if you did not know the family and are not experiencing the grief that many here today are, that this will still encourage you and help you this morning. So with all that said, I want you to find John chapter 10 in your copy of God's Word this morning. John chapter 10. I want us to look with new eyes on a text that we looked at almost three years ago. We were doing a study of a catechism several years ago. It was called, we called it Rooted. We were looking at key questions of our faith. And when we looked at that several years ago, there was a question that we asked. This the question that has been coming back to my mind as we think through the, the grief that we feel. And that's the question of what is our only hope in life and in death? What is our only hope in life? And if that's a question that many of you have asked this week, now perhaps not with those words, but underlying so many of the questions that I hear people asking is that question, what is our hope in life? What is our hope when we face the death of friends and family and loved ones? What is our only hope in life and death? And before we look at the answer to that question in John 10, let me just remind you of what I'm talking about when I talk about hope. If you've been around Gateway any length of time, this is not new to you, but I just want to make sure for all of our visitors and friends that you know what we're talking about. When we talk about hope, we're not talking about wishful optimism. We talk about hope in life and death. This is not just, I hope things will get better for them or for me. That's not what hope is in Scripture. In the Bible, hope is a sure confidence in what is to come. It's a sure confidence. So our question that we're asking is, you know, basically, what is our only source of a sure confidence as we walk through the valleys of life? What is our only sure confidence as we face death or we walk with friends who are facing death? And the sure confidence, the hope we have, we find the answer in John chapter 10. Now, in John, as you know, this is one of the four Gospels, one of the four records of the good news of who Jesus is. And at John 10, we're near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. We're not far away from what we celebrate at Easter with Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. And at this point in John 10, the opposition to Jesus is growing very rapidly. And here in John 10, the, the Jewish leaders who are opposing Jesus has just asked him if he is the Christ. If you have your copy open, just go ahead and glance up a few verses before today's text, and that's to verse 24. The Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And so Jesus is going to answer them in the verses we're going to look at this morning. Jesus answers them their question of, Are you the Christ? And in his profound answer, he is pointing us to the source of hope in life and death, the confidence we can have as we face life and death. So as you look at John 10 this morning, we'll look at verses 27 to 30. Be looking for what is our hope, what is our confidence, even in the valleys we walk through. John 10, 27 to 30, can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. John 10, starting at verse 27, I'm reading out the English Standard Version. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. Thank you, Lord, when we walk through the different seasons of life, the peaks and the valleys, that you are there with us in all of them. Thank you that you've given us your word that shows us how to navigate all these times of life. And Lord, as we look this morning at hope, I pray that you would bring hope to those who are struggling this morning, that we would turn our eyes to you and celebrate what we've been singing all morning of your goodness to us. And Lord, your grace that you've poured out on us. So give us hope, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So back to our question this morning. What is the only source of hope in life and death? And here's the answer I want you to see. You'll remember this one hopefully from three years ago. But our hope is this. We are not our own, but we belong both in life and death to God. Because what is the hope, that anchor that we've been singing about, the hope that sustains us even when life is really hard? And it's this truth that we are not our own, but we belong both in life and death to God. That as we walk through the valleys, we belong to God. When we're on the mountaintops, we belong to God. When we face that day of death, we belong to God. And if we know Christ for all eternity, we will belong to God. Our hope, our confidence facing life and death is that we belong to him. That he is holding us no matter what is happening around us. We are not our own. We belong both in life and in death to God. Now, as we see this in John 10 this morning, what we read sounds like an agriculture story at first, right? That we talk about sheep and a shepherd and threats to them. But this is an image that Jesus himself speaks. What we just read was Jesus himself speaking. And he's giving us an image, a, a metaphor to help us understand himself and who we are and how he relates to us. And the image here we just read is that God, that Jesus is our shepherd and that we are the sheep. Now, this is not a new image. This is one that you're familiar with from the Old Testament. Think back to Psalm 23, verse 1. This is one of Pastor CJ's favorite texts. This is Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And friends, that is our hope for those of you who are walking through deep grief right now. I pray this is your cry and your experience. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. We will not want. And so when Jesus here in John 10, he's taking this familiar image of God as our shepherd, but he makes a big change to it here in John 10. Because in Psalm 23, this is us talking to the Lord. This is us, the sheep, our perspective of the shepherd. But in John 10, it flips as now the shepherd talking about his sheep. It's the perspective of God, the shepherd, towards us. And so, friends, if you are in Christ, if you know your sins are forgiven and you belong to God, what we're reading in John 10 is what God says of you. So go back to verse 27 here. My sheep, again, this is the shepherd talking, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, friends, as we think about this text to understand this, we need to realize at the outset that God calling us sheep is not flattery. Sheep are helpless animals. They are not just a little helpless, friends. Sheep are absolutely helpless. Sheep cannot find green pastures on their own. They cannot find food on their own. They do not know where the water source is to go get water. They do not know what threats are coming their way. They cannot protect themselves if those threats come. Sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd's care. And that's really important for us because a sheep that hopes in itself to survive won't make it. A sheep that thinks that it can fight off the wolves or the thieves is not going to make it. A sheep that thinks it can find the water and the food is not going to make it. So this is an intentional image that Jesus gives us to remind us that we are totally, completely dependent upon God. 
Now that truth is so important, he repeats it just a little bit later in John 15, 5. If you look ahead, just about five chapters. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he does that bears much fruit. And here it is, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing here. This is weird. It's an image of complete dependence. Just as a sheep's only hope to survival is a shepherd's care, our only hope in life, both when life is good and we often forget about it, but when life is in the valleys and we are struggling, our only hope is that the shepherd is caring for us. I know for many of you today who are close to the Gross family, you're feeling that dependency in perhaps deeper ways than you have in a long time. And let me just remind you that dependency is a good thing. And for all of us, we need to feel that dependency. All of us need, regardless of whether we're in ups and downs of life, we are dependent every day, every moment of every day, on the shepherd's care. So what does the shepherd do for us? What do we see in the shepherd's perspective of us, his sheep here? In John 10, we learn three things about what the shepherd does for us. And these become the basis of our confidence, even when life is hard. Number one, the shepherd makes us his own. The shepherd makes us his own. He gives us belonging. He adopts us and declares that we belong to him. We see that in two places here in verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Just start right there. He calls them my sheep. My is a word of possession. Kids start with this word early in life because they want things that belong to them. This is a word about possession or belonging. And don't miss this, friends. This is God himself saying that if you are in Christ, that you belong to him. He is claiming you to be his own. He's saying, you belong to me. You are mine. But lest that become just some impersonal thing there, he takes it a step further here in verse 27. This is absolutely stunning. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Again, this is a shepherd talking about his sheep. And the word scripture, knowledge, is not just about intellectual knowledge. Knowledge is a word for deep intimacy. It's a word of deep relationship here. So this is not only the shepherd saying, you're mine. He's saying, I intimately know everything about you, and I want you to know me too. And so the hope for us, regardless of what is happening in life, is that we, if we are in Christ, if Christ has forgiven us of our sins and we are believing in him and we're walking with him, we know that our shepherd has adopted us and drawn us to himself. We know that he knows us intimately and he wants us to know him. We see this truth again in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, and these are strong words of God's work in us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, pause there before we go on. Friends, when we're walking in the valleys, it is not a withdrawal of God's blessing. God's blessings are not dependent upon us being happy and liking our circumstances. He has blessed us, whether you're in a high or low. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places if you are in Christ. But let's go into verse 4 there. Even as he, here's the greatest blessing, he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption. Don't miss that word. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. This is strong language. It's the same language of John 10 here, that we belong to the shepherd, that he knows us intimately. He has adopted us. He has made us his own. And friends, that is our hope, and that is what sustains us when it seems like the world is spinning out of control, when we are, feel like our lives are breaking and falling apart. We can cling to this, that he has adopted us, that he has predestined us, that he has chosen us. And he, in verse 27 here, that he talks to us, we hear his voice, and we know him, and we follow him as all of his works. And friends, that is our hope 
As we mourn the passing of our friend, he knew the Lord. Not because of anything he did, but because Christ pursued him. And that is our hope, and that is our hope, and I pray it is your hope as well. So how do we have confidence in life and death? First of all, we see that God gives us belonging, that God adopts us. But second of all, the shepherd doesn't just adopt us and leave us on our own to navigate life. Second of all, the shepherd leads us, that God leads us in this life. Again, remember, the sheep are absolutely helpless. We are totally dependent. And the shepherd knows that because he's the one who made us that way. And so he leads us and guides us every day. He doesn't just say, great, you're my own. I'm going to call you my own now. You go figure out this life. He walks with us all the time. Verse 27 here, my sheep, notice this, they hear my voice. Now, in the Greek language in which John was written here, this word hear is present tense. It's not they heard my voice and they prayed a prayer and now they're okay. This is they hear and they keep on hearing and they keep on hearing and they keep on hearing and they keep on hearing. So they hear when they're in the valley. They hear when they're on the mountaintop. They hear when they're rejoicing. They hear when they're facing death. They hear the voice of their creator. And this is also plural. This is not them sitting alone at home hearing his voice. This is together, brothers and sisters in Christ, day by day, hear the voice of God. And how do we hear the shepherd's voice? He's revealed it to us. Genesis to Revelation. We have the voice of God for us. So we have without question knowing what his will is and his love for us and all those truths we have sung. But he's also given us his Holy Spirit who brings his word to life in us and brings to remembrance the truth of his word and convicts us and encourages us and guides us. And I pray this week for those morning that you have felt the presence of God in you, guiding you through this, bringing God's word to life for you. And then he's given us the grace gift of one another that is where in low spots going, I don't know what to do. We have friends who open up the scriptures and say, let me remind you of the promise of God, just like Jeff did for you earlier today. And CJ has done, they've spoken scripture to you. This is what we, how we hear the voice of the creator is together we run to the word and we let the Holy Spirit bring truth to us from his word, friends. God has adopted us. God loves us and God is leading us. The question is, are we following? Are we running to his word in our grief and in our joys? Are we crying out, Holy Spirit, fill me, open my eyes to the truth of the word, convict me, encourage me? Are we running to community to say, help me, I am struggling? Friends, we are not our own. We belong to the Lord, and the Lord desires to lead us and guide us through all that we face. And one thing I want to remind you of, you don't have to wait to have it all figured out to run to the Lord for him to guide you. You don't have to, in one of the books I've been reading recently, the author points out you don't have to have an Instagram-worthy Christianity to run to the world and to run to the Lord and your brokenness. God invites us to come with our doubts, with our anger, with our grief, with whatever we have, and he meets us where we are. You don't have to have your questions figured out to run to the Lord for him to lead you. That's where the Psalms are so helpful for us and modeling for us what it looks like to run to the Lord and lament to run to the Lord and grief to learn, run to the Lord with our doubts and struggles. One of my favorites you know if you've been around Gatewell is Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, this is Asaph. He was a worship leader for King David. As he looks on the life of God's people, he sees them struggling. And you can see the questions in his mind. In Psalm chapter 73, verses 2 to 5, you see him begin his struggles here. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, just pause here, friends. He's talking to God here. 
This is not his Instagram-worthy Christianity where he's got everything figured out and putting a smile on his face. He is going to God with his doubts and his struggles here before the Lord. He goes on to say, talking about the lost world around in verse 4, For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Do you see what Asaph is doing here? He's being honest with God. He's going to God and saying, God, this is my perception of reality. I'm looking at these people who reject you and their life is so easy. And I'm looking at your people and they're broken and they're struggling and they're having a hard time. Why, God? Why? But notice what he does. Well, he doesn't just sit there and complain to God and stop. What does he do? Go to verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. The struggle for many of us is we stop at verse 16. When life doesn't make sense, it seems to us a wearisome task. And what God says is, yes, it is wearisome on your own. You're a sheep. You're dependent. You're needy. Come to me. Talk to me about where you are and what you're feeling. We don't have to hide it. He knows everything. We, we fool ourselves if we think we can hide from God what our thoughts already were. He knows everything. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so Asaph here goes to the sanctuary of God and he discerns therein. Now in the verses that follow, God simply reminds him of eternity. God doesn't answer his questions of why. Asaph never learns why the wicked seem to be prospering and why God's people are struggling. God doesn't give him the answers he wants, but God doesn't have to give us the answers we want. Rather, God gives Asaph his presence. And that's enough for Asaph. Look down at verse 23. After he gets in the sanctuary of God with his questions, and God simply reminds him of eternity, what does he do? Here's where Asaph concludes. Verse 23. And notice the difference from where he began in this psalm. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. This is the sheep now talking to the shepherd. I am with you, my shepherd. And notice almost a shepherding imagery here. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my complete contentment forever. And then the very end of the psalm, he says, For me, it is good to be near God. I made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And for those hurting today, I pray this is what your experience will be. That you don't feel like you have to pull it all together to go talk to the Lord, but you go to him like Asaph in your honesty and your questions, your doubts, whatever you're feeling, and be real before the Lord, but go into the sanctuary of God and let God's presence meet you where you are to where you come away, not with answers to your questions, but with the hope of God's presence. And so what is our hope, friends? God has chosen us. We belong to him. Even when life is hard, that God is leading us day by day, moment by moment, no matter what we walk through. But there's one more here. The last hope we see in John 10 is that God promises us eternal life with him. That God promises us eternal life with him. Go back to verse 28 of our text here. I give them, this is John 10, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This word eternal life means life that never ends forever. And he says they will never perish. It doesn't mean that we'll not face earthly death. Never perish means we will never face judgment of a holy God. We've all sinned. We all deserve his judgment because of what Christ has done in paying for our sins. That when we believe in Christ, all of our sins got put on him and all of his righteousness got given to us. And so when we stand before God, we are not judged for our sin. The judgment's already been taken care of by Christ. So we do not have to perish. We do not have to spend an eternity apart from Christ because we will have eternal life with him.
Friends, that day is coming for every one of us. And Scripture reminds us our life is but a mist. We do not know when that day is coming. Who would have thought on Wednesday that we would never see Jason again? Life is fleeting, and none of us are promised even to make it home from church today. So do we know that we have eternal life in Christ? Do we know we will never face the judgment of God because it's already been paid for by Christ on the cross and his righteousness is given to us? If we have that hope, friends, of eternity, then we still grieve, but we grieve with hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4 is a verse I have going to often this weekend. I hope you have also. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep. This is speaking of a metaphor for death of those who we know, the loved ones in Christ who have died like Jason and others you know. That you may not grieve as those who do not have hope. Now, just stay right there for a second. Notice he doesn't say not to grieve. This is not just get your act together and just tough it out. He's saying you grieve, but don't grieve as those who are hopeless. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. We don't grieve for Jason. He is seeing what we long to see. He is seeing his Savior face to face. He's seeing the glory of God that we can only begin to imagine. He's seeing those crazy creatures around the throne with all their wings and eyes. He's seeing all of that. We don't grieve for him. We grieve for us and for the loved ones you have lost as well. We grieve for us, not for them if they are in Christ. He goes on in verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And so our hope is not that we're not going to grieve. Grief is real and good, and we need to grieve as we walk through the brokenness of this life. But we grieve with hope. Why? Because the shepherd promises us eternal life with him. Why? Because we belong to him, both in life and death. Now, how can we be so sure of these things? Life can be so hard and so uncertain. How can we be sure? Go back to verse 28. We're sure because of the nature of the shepherd. He says in verse 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch. Snatch means to take by force. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Even if people try with force, no one can take us out of the shepherd's hand. Why? Because Jesus, the one who's speaking here, he's the one who spoke the world into being. He's the one who healed and raised people from the dead at the sound of his voice. He's the one who defeated death himself. He's the one who is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's the sovereign one who rules and reigns over all things. And he's saying, I myself am holding you. And no matter how much force anyone or anything tries, they cannot take you from me. The sovereign, omnipotent one is the one holding you in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your pain. He is holding you. And that is enough for us, but he takes it another notch up for us there in verse 29. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And notice this, he changes the words a little bit here. And no one is able to snatch, take them by force out of the father's hand. So now it's not just no one will. Now he says no one is even can do it. It's not even possible for anyone to take a sheep from the shepherd. And though we will never have an answer to understand, that means Jason's passing last week was not anyone snatching him outside of God's plan. The shepherd was holding him through all that, and the shepherd will hold his family throughout, and the shepherd will hold you through all that. That means time cannot cause God to lose his grip on us. That means death cannot cause God to lose us. That means no person, not even Satan, no demons, nothing can cause God to lose us. And absolutely nothing can remove us from God's grip on us, both now and forever. Jeff read it earlier, but Romans chapter 8, verse 35. That's why we have the confidence we have in Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And the questions asked with the answer obvious, no one, nothing can. 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the answer is no. And then a few verses later in verses 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers, what happens, nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Do you get the picture? Nothing, 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 nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the authors I was reading yesterday thinking through this said this, The preservation of the sheep is a task of the shepherd. We can be absolutely confident the shepherd will not let any sheep wander beyond his care. We can be confident that the shepherd will not let any sheep wander beyond his care. Friends, if you are in Christ, it is impossible for anyone or anything to push you outside the care of your shepherd, no matter what you're feeling or what you're grieving. You, if you're in Christ, you are not your own, but you belong both in life and death to God. And the big word we use for all that, friends, you know it, is grace. It's God's kindness to us. God doesn't do this because we deserve it. We're stinky, dirty sheep. We don't deserve this. But this is God's kindness and his grace to us. It's all from God. And let me remind you, especially in times you feel overwhelmed and you're grieving and the pain is so deep, God's grace will never run out for you. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, you know, is earlier in John, in John chapter 1, verse 16. Because it tells us there that from his, Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Friends, it doesn't matter how much grace you need from God to get through today, there's enough for you there. The great reformer Martin Luther said it this way, This spring, the spring of grace is inexhaustible. It is full of grace and truth from God. It never loses anything no matter how much we draw but remains an infinite fountain of all grace and truth. And notice this, he says, the more you draw from it, the more abundantly it gives of the water that springs into eternal life. The more you draw from it, the more abundantly it gives of the water that springs into eternal life. Just as the sun is not darkened by the whole world enjoying its light and could indeed light up ten worlds, so is Christ our Lord, an infinite source of all grace. Friends, when you are struggling, God does not get tired of you asking for help. He's not like, well, they already prayed for help this morning. Why are they coming back again? His fountain of grace and help and love is unending. And the more we draw from it, the more he will give. It will never run out. Why? Because from his fullness, from his abundance, we will receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. The Scottish theologian William Barclay said it this way. We need one grace in the days of prosperity and another grace in the days of adversity. We need one grace in the sunlit days of youth and another grace from the shadows of age begin to lengthen upon life. The church needs one grace in the days of persecution, another grace when the days of acceptance come. We need one grace when we feel we are on top of things, and another grace when we are depressed and discouraged and near to despair. We need one grace to bear our own burdens, and another grace to bear one another's burdens. We need one grace when we are sure of things, and another grace when there is nothing certain left in the world. Now notice that he says, the grace of God is never static but always a dynamic thing and never fails to meet the situation. God's grace is not static. And in this room are people who are grieving in different ways, who are feeling different things. And God's not like, well, here's my blanket answer for you. God wants to meet you, his sheep that he loves, that he's chosen, who he's leading and guiding. He wants to meet you where you are with his dynamic grace that will meet you right where you are and give you exactly what you yourself need. The grace of God is never static, but always a dynamic thing. It never fails to meet the situation. So the question for us is, do we know that grace? 
Do we know the grace that we are adopted and belong to God? Do we know the grace to where God is inviting us to be led by him every day? Do we know the grace that gives us the confidence that we will be with him forever in heaven? Because the reality of John 10 is not everyone accepts and believes this grace. If you think of what we just read in John 10, 27 to 30, this is profound teaching that Jesus is standing before people offering to be their shepherd. They've heard him. They've seen him. They've seen his miracles. And what do they do? Look at verse 31 of John 10. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his teaching of authority. They heard the great I am proclaiming with his own mouth, I am the shepherd, my sheep know my voice, and they are enraged and want to kill him. The reality is not everyone who hears the offer of grace believes in this. This is not an automatic thing. They're saying, I'm grieving. Well, God's going to meet me with grace. You have to know Christ. You have to repent of your sins and believe and follow him. So how do we know if we're God's sheep? Go back to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John Piper said it really well. So do not look inside yourself and ask, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? He said, turn your eyes and your ears to Jesus. And when he speaks, if you are drawn to listen and to follow, you are a sheep. Do not look inside yourself and ask, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep? Turn your eyes and ears to Jesus. And when he speaks, if you are drawn to listen and to follow, you are a sheep. This is the evidence that you are born of God, that you listen eagerly to his words and desire to follow. Do not look for signs of ecstasy or outward change of circumstances. Look to Jesus. And if you're drawn to listen and obey, you are born of God and a sheep of Christ. So friends, in the days where there's been the hard week for you like many of us, but when the hard times have hit, or if you're in the good times, are you drawn to the voice of God? Do you long to open the pages of Scripture? Do you desire to follow Him? Do you desire to talk to Him in prayer? Do you find the joy and freedom of taking to Him your burdens, your doubts, your questions, and bring those to Him? Do you run to Him knowing you have the hope that you belong to him. And so in light of all that, friends, as we come to the end today, we want to celebrate that grace, celebrate that hope for those who know him. So it's very fitting on this week where our hearts are so heavy, where there's so many questions and struggles we have, that we're going to end today by celebrating communion, the reminder of the grace that we have in Christ. Friends, if you know you belong to God, both in life and death. If you know your sins are forgiven, if you know that Christ has forgiven you, are adopted and you belong to God, not because of anything you have done, but because of his grace. If you know that he's put a desire in your heart to know him and to love him, if you know you're his child, you are welcome to come partake. You don't have to be a member of Gateway to do this, but you have to know beyond a shed out that you are a child of God and that your sins are forgiven and that you belong to God. If you are in Christ and you know that, you are welcome to come participate. As when we break the bread, we're remembering that Christ hung on a cross, that his body was broken for us. When we drink the juice, we're reminded of his blood. Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So we take this to remember to remember the incredible cost of our forgiveness, that the perfect Son of God who came to earth, eternal Son of God who came to earth, lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law that you and I break every single day. He never once broke it. So we could go to that cross and be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute for our sins. So Christ is on the cross and he cries out, it is finished. All of my sin was put on him. And if you're in Christ, all of your sin was put on him and all of his righteousness was given to us. You see, friends, God is so holy, so perfect. He cannot wink at any sin. He cannot overlook any sin. 
God's holiness demands that every sin ever committed will be paid for. Either it's paid for by the person, which takes an eternity in hell, or it's paid for in a moment on the cross as Christ cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So friends, if you know that your sins are forgiven because they were put on Christ, if you know that God has put belief in your heart and that you belong to him, if you know that God is leading you and that you belong to him both in life and in death, all because of his grace, we invite you on this week when your hearts are so heavy and full of sorrow to come celebrate that grace. Remember that grace keeps going. And to ask him for more of his grace to sustain you and strengthen you for each and every day. Friends, if you're not sure that's you, if you're not sure you belong to Christ, we're just going to ask you to remain seated while we do this. No one's going to come and bear you, but Scripture warns us about taking this in an unworthy way. If you're not sure you belong to Christ, if you're not sure your sins are forgiven, please just remain in your seat during this time and just talk to God. Be honest with Him. God, I'm not sure I know you. Help me know you. Show yourself to me. We just invite you to remain seated during this time. But if you know Christ, we invite you to come. In just a few minutes, the praise team's going to come first, and then our ushers will direct you. You'll come down the middle aisle forming two lines. You'll get the elements, and you can return to your seat. There's gluten-free for those who have dietary needs. But let me just encourage you, don't rush this time. We, do, we observe it this way, one to remind us that we're in this together as the community of Christ. But we also do this so you have time to reflect. It's an important thing that Christ has called us to do. And so I want you to have time while you're waiting to come forward, when you get back to your seat, to keep talking to the Lord. If you need to cry for a little bit before you, t- before you take it, you can do that. If you need to pray for a while, you can do that. Let the Lord guide you and use this time to worship him, to reflect, to thank him for his grace, and to ask him for more of it. So let me pray for us, and then we'll come receive the elements. Father, thank you seems so inadequate for all your grace that you've given to us. Yet, Lord, that's all we know to say in times like this. Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is full. You've given us grace upon grace. And so we're thankful this morning that we get to end today by reflecting on your grace and reflecting on the high cost of your grace. And so Lord, I pray for these brothers and sisters that you would encourage them today knowing that they belong to you, that you are leading them, and that you will bring them all the way to eternity with you forever. Or if there's anyone in the room, whether it's an adult or a child who has never trusted in you, I pray even the reminders of Jason's sudden passing this week, these reminders of your grace, and even the visual of the bread and the juice that reminds us of your body and blood, Lord Jesus, would be something you would use to draw them to yourself. Show them their need for you. Bring them to a place of repentance even this day, Lord. Lord, but for those who know you, would you fill their hearts with hope right now? Or would you comfort them in their grief? Would you strengthen them in their sorrows? And would you today remind them of your great love for them? As we've already seen today, how deep the Father's love for us. I pray that that would be their cry today. And they would be able to leave this place, not with questions answered, but knowing that they belong to you. And like Asaph said, my flesh and my, heart, my, and my heart may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I pray that would be all of our cry today. Being able to say with Asaph, it is good to be near God. So would you let this be a time where we worship you, where we thank you, where you meet us right where we are. Would you do it in Jesus' name? Amen.
we're going to sing this together. Y'all stand with us if you will.
But two things before I pray and we close. First of all, if some of you would like someone to pray with you at the end, I'd like to ask our elders, if you guys could come just to the front and be available at the end of the service. If you need someone just to pray over you if you're struggling with things or have questions, I want our elder team to be available. Be around front here if you'd like someone to pray with you at the close of the service. These are trusted brothers who love you deeply and are glad to walk with you through whatever you're walking through. Now, before I pray, I want us to do a closing benediction. It's a text that we've already heard twice today, but I want us to close today with Romans 8, 38 and 39. And we're going to put the words on the screen so we can read them out loud here. Let's say this together as our confidence and encouragement to one another as we close. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God, that is our hope and our confidence. And Lord, we cannot manufacture that. That's something you and your grace have to give to us. So would you give us that perspective this week? Would you comfort us this week? Would you give us hope this week that's found only in you? We ask it, Lord, for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Gateway family. We love you.